Hey everybody, welcome to Rowdy Alternative. Uh, today we have Taylor Kimball, who is producer for pretty much everything that's hot out there in Texas right now, that whole area, uh, from Co Wetzel to Cody West, Giovanni, Reed Southall, Austin Mee's done it all. So we're going to dive into that today. Uh, how you doing, Taylor? Doing pretty good. I'm a little tired. I just had a baby like five weeks ago, six weeks ago. So I don't get a lot of sleep, but doing pretty good. Thanks. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Right on. You've been busy at all with work? I've uh, been pretty busy. Um, I had to wrap up a bunch of projects right before I had a kid. Um, so it's a little slower right now, but I'm just trying to get back into the swing of things and figure out how to do this with a kid. I I am married and I have a wife and she's at home with the kids, so that helps. But Right on, yeah, right on. Not a lot of sleep. Yeah, I could imagine. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's dive into it, man. Uh, I guess let's start out like where you're from, uh, your background and like How'd you get your start doing the production aspect in the music industry and everything? Man, um, well, I was born in Tracy, California, which is like an hour east of San Francisco. And then my parents moved over or to East Texas when I was one. And that's kind of where I lived until I was 18 in a town called Mount Pleasant. And funny enough, it's 20 minutes down the road from where Co grew up, but we never knew each other until after I'd already moved out of Mount Pleasant. And so uh, Mount Pleasant's a super small town, and both my parents are musical. And so when I was a kid, they had me taking piano lessons and guitar lessons. And I hated it, but I stuck with guitar and uh, wound up stopping piano, which now I wish I would not have. Um, but yeah, that just, I've always been into, into music and Growing up, you know, I got into drums when I was probably like 12. And that's when I was, I really fell in love with music. And so I was always trying to find friends who would play guitar or whatever and trying to form a band. And, you know, I had a few of those. And then um, growing up in a small town, if you're like decent at anything, they think you're incredible. So my whole life, it was always like, oh, Taylor's so good at drums. When in reality, I was like, just okay. Because I, I moved to Fort Worth after Mount Pleasant, and you start meeting real musicians, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm not good. Um, so I, straight out of <laughs> high school, I started touring in a metal band called The Bullet for Pretty Boy, and I did that for like three years and I quit because I was just tired of, I, I didn't like the road. I didn't like being gone. Like I'm super introverted, homebody, you know, I don't really like to go out much, but so I got off the road and I was just like, man, what am I going to do? So I started making beats on my computer and it was like EDM music. And I did a record of that and it's super cheesy stuff. But that's like <laughs> kind of what got me into recording. I was just like, dude, this is awesome. Like I can create whatever I want. And so, and and when I when I had formed those bands when I was younger, I my parents had a computer and I bought this program called Reason. And it's like a recording program. So I was always kind of dabbling with it as a kid. Um, but I, I didn't really know a ton about it. 
And so I met, or one of my friends was a Texas country singer and I didn't know what Texas country was. You know, I grew up listening to metal, so I hated country music. I just thought, it was, I never gave it a shot because if you're a metalhead, you just think everything else is dumb. And right. so he was like, hey man, you want to play drums for me? I'm, I'm doing all these Texas country gigs and it's just a ton of cover songs. So I was like, yeah, sure. So he sends me a list and I had never heard of anybody on it. And there was like Stoney LaRue and Randy Rogers and, you know, Casey Donahue, all the classics. And so that kind of opened my eyes to that whole world. And I was like, oh, this, this isn't so bad. Um, so I started playing gigs with him and then he was like, I want to record a single. I was like, well, I, I kind of know how to do it. So Recorded a single with him, and his name was Jordan Kingston. He's from Mount Pleasant, too. And then Co. heard that, and we got a show opening for Co. in the stockyards in Fort Worth. And this would have had to have been 2012, 13, maybe. Ooh, wow. Okay. And so that was the first time I'd, yeah, that was the first time I'd met Co. And then Andreas, or Dre, Co's now mm-hmm. TM, is also from Mount Pleasant. Didn't know him either until I moved away. But he was playing drums for another guy in Mount Pleasant named Bo Hennessy and also Trey Hubrell. And he heard the song I did for this Jordan guy. He's like, dude, I want to record a record with you with this Trey Hubrell guy. Turns out Trey is Co's cousin. So I do this record for Trey Co hears that, then I get a call from Co, and he's like, "Hey, I want to cut a record with you." And then we did noise complaint, and it was just like, then I was in this whole country world, and I was like, "What happened?" Super thankful to be here. I love it. You know, I love the music right. now. And that's kind of like when Co came to me. He was he knew I toured in metal bands, and he was like, "I'm wanting to do like a heavier, you know, country thing." And the words he told me is he was like, I want it to sound like it was recorded in an old barn. I was like, okay. And he introduced me to cross Canadian ragweed. Mm-hmm. I was just like, man, there's this whole world that I had n- no clue about. And then noise complaint happened. And I was just like, whoa, well, guess I'm, guess I'm doing this. And I've been super fortunate. Like Co has been so loyal with just like bringing me along for the whole ride. So it's been awesome. It's- so um, you said that he wanted it to be like a heavier version of like the typical Texas country sound. So that was for noise complaint because I know he progressively got even yeah. like more rock oriented. Wow. Okay. So even back then he wanted it to yeah. be more loud and heavier. Okay. Yeah. He was like, I want loud guitars. So- I want it to sound like Nirvana-ish, you know, just grungy. Yeah. The grungy, grungy sound. Country. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't so, have any yeah. like prior like education with like recording or production or anything. You just kind of hopped into it. Yeah, like uh, going back to when I was a kid. Like I, uh, my parents and or my family would always fly to California for the summers, like fr- where my mm-hmm. uh, where we came from or whatever. And in the airport, there would always be these recording magazines or Guitar World, and I would always grab the recording one, and I would just you know, read through it and stuff. And so I always was just trying to keep up. Um, but yeah, no school, 
and noise complaint was the first full length that I ever produced. And it was just right place, right time. And so I kind of had to learn because, <laughs> you know, Co was blowing up so fast. And I was like, dude, if I want to stay a part of this team, I got to get good, like real fast because I, I don't want to hold Co back, you know? Yeah, I was about to say that's like the perfect like record to start on just looking back on how big it got even today. <laughs> yeah, I still remember making it and we half that record we made in his bedroom and like I just took some gear up to Stephenville, set it up in his room and we would just work and I just remember as soon as he showed me February 28th, I was like Oh, dude, this is a good song. And LJT yeah. was like right around the corner. And I was like, dude, do you think you're going to get to play the main stage at LJT? And he's like, nah, I doubt it. Because I was like, dude, this record's cool. But I mean, we ha- we had no clue what it was going to do. There's no way, you know. Right. But Are there any, looking um... back at that record. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go. Go ahead. I was just like looking back at that record. It's hard for me to listen to from a quality standpoint because it's just like, but it's also you see the growth. Like that's another cool thing is like me and Co started basically at the same time together. We didn't know what we were doing, and it's like I feel like if you listen to the records in order, you can hear a progression from both of us on both sides, and it's it's just kind of cool in that perspective, but yeah, it's hard for me to listen to it. Cause it's just like the mix isn't good. <laughs> and a lot of stuff I'm like, oh, but you know, none of that really matters. So, right. I mean, that's part of the process, even with like, whether it be like you behind the scenes or the artists themselves, it always, it's just, I need to outdo my last project as I go on. Yep. And that's what makes, that's what makes music so unique. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So um, are there any, like, I guess, I guess you could call them, like, influencer, influences, like, inspirations with, like, who, if, who do you look to, like, when you're uh, producing something, mixing something, it's like, okay, I, I like the way this guy did it, or is it more just like you kind of doing your own thing? Man, it's always changing. Like, it's really like, I'll hear a record, and I'll be like, oh, man, this record's incredible, and then I'll go... And see who did it and then i'll go and look at their all the records that they've done um but it's more so like i'll i'll hear records that i think are awesome and i'll just get obsessed with them and i'll be like i want to make a record that sounds like this um but as far as producers go like i really there's a guy named jay joyce who's huge in nashville he does like uh all of eric church's stuff and miranda lambert and laney wilson mm. But what he's doing to me is super cool because he came from the rock world. And so his productions tend to have a little bit more guitar and stuff, but it's a nice blend. Um, But other than him, it's just, I don't know. I'm always looking for inspiration. But like I said, I'll just find an album. Like, dude, this is awesome. But um, Chris Lord Algae is a mixer and he was like always my idol and always what I was shooting for sonically um but yeah other than those two dudes it's just kind of i'm always looking for cool records to be influenced by 
Are there some records that come to your mind when you think of that? Like, this is like the epitome of what I want to make one day. Man. Okay. Uh, so back when I, before I even knew, knew Co, I was playing with that Jordan guy and that's when Florida mm-hmm. Georgia line hit the scene. I didn't know anything about Nashville country versus Texas country. I didn't know anything. I just remember hearing Cruz uh, mm-hmm. on the radio and I was like, Oh my gosh, dude, this sounds, this sounds like a rock record to me. Like it sounded massive. I was like, I want to make my goal is to make a record that sounds that good. And that's actually Joey Moy, who's another massive producer in Nashville, Morgan Wall and Hardy. Yeah. Uh, and he's doing super cool stuff. Um, but now there's this band called Tiger Cub, and I think they're from the mm-hmm. UK, and they put out a record. Um, I forget what the record was, but it sounds super cool. And I looked up who produced it and it's this guy named adrian bushby who's from the uk and he's engineered foo fighters and muse and so i actually that record came out right before we started el paso and so i hit him up and i was like dude i'd love for you to come engineer this co-record because i love this record you, you did with this tiger cub band and he flew over and engineered the record for us and it was awesome so he's a huge influence for me but yeah, uh, Laney Wilson's new stuff is incredible, in my opinion. And that's um, uh, drawing a blank. The guy I just said, one of the producers. Can't oh, oh yeah. Name. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, actually, speak- there's this band called Bad Flower, and their records to me oh, yeah. are always like sonically awesome. So I'm always kind of referencing them and yeah, but a lot of times it's like the band will come in and they'll throw me some references and I'll just kind of deep dive into that, whatever they're listening to. So. Okay. That kind of, that kind of leads me into my next question. Um, How involved do the artists get in the uh, recording process and like how, I'm sure you're fine when they, fine with it if they do, but like, how involved is it depend, or do you kind of invite them to come and like say, "Hey, what do you think of this?" Like, man, it it varies from artist to artist. Like, Co is very much a producer in his in himself. Like, he's got the craziest ideas, and they're always most of the time they're always great ideas, and it's just like. I just kind of get in the room with him. Like we've worked together so long now that I I feel like we kind of know what each other wants. So it's a lot quicker now, but like at first I would just kind of be in the room and let him do his thing and just help out where I could. Um, but some art, other artists, you know, they need a lot more help and they just don't quite have as clear of a direction of what they want as some others do like co knows exactly what's he wa- what he wants and that makes my job easier because i can just kind of go after that um so yeah it just really varies i tend to give the artist a lot of control and freedom um if i trust them and know that like okay this is really what you want all right well let's do it 
but some will come in here and be like, I think I want to sound like this, or I think I want to sound like this. <laughs> and it's just kind of a journey, you know, finding that, which, you know, everybody's got to go through that stage at some point. Right. Um. So this is personal. This is just a question that I've been clueless on forever. Cause like I write these articles for Ray's Rowdy and whenever I do maybe an album review or any kind of review, and I like to go into the production, like crew, whoever's behind that. I have no idea what to say besides produced by. And I know there's mixers. I know there's engineers. Can you tell us listening who's as clueless as I am what the difference is between a producer, a mixer, and an engineer? Yeah. So, and nobody really ever, like, if I'm hanging out with my wife's or if we're hanging out with my wife's friends and they ask what I'm doing and I say, I'm a pro- nobody has a clue. So it's, it's just one of those weird <laughs> jobs, but yeah, a producer is basically a manager of the project. It's like, it's my job to find the musicians, you know, book the studios, make sure we have all the songs. And then also, you know, if I want to hire an engineer, who who do I think would be the best fit for the record or mixing or whatever? Um, so yeah, basically, like, Co will say, "Let's make a record," and I'll be like, "Okay, cool." Uh, and he'll start sending me songs, and we'll get songs together. And then, you know, like Hell Paso, I was like, "Hey, we should do it." Or actually, he brought up uh, Sonic Ranch, but I was looking everywhere. I was like, "Do you want to do it in L.A.?" Do you want to go to Nashville? Do you want to do it in Texas? And we looked at studios everywhere and we just kept coming back to Texas. And it's like, man, there's a little bit of that pride. It's like, why do we, why do we need to go to Nashville to do this? You know, let's, so yeah. So we booked Sonic Ranch and then I wanted to bring in Adrian cause I thought he'd be a good fit. So yeah, producer is just basically like, you're just in charge of the whole project and making sure everything gets done as well as being a big part of the creative process. And then the engineer is basically the guy running all this stuff. And it's like, you kind of tell the engineer, it's like, Hey, I want the record to kind of sound like this. And then they start dialing in tones for you and you're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And then, uh, a mixer is the second to last step. So basically once the record's completely recorded and edited and stuff, you, either send it off to a mixer or I, I mix pretty much everything I do. So then I just start mixing it. And then once I get a mix where I feel like it's pretty good, I'll send it to the artist and then they'll send me feedback like, Hey, could we turn the vocals up or whatever? And then, uh, then it gets sent to mastering. And what mastering is, is that's mastering is probably the hardest thing to explain because it sounds so basic, but it's really not. But you send mastering the mix, and it's just a, it's an audio file of the song and their job is to kind of make it as loud as everything else while shaping the overall sound of it. And just kind of, you know, if they hear anything that's popping out, they just kind of tweak it a little bit, but yeah, that's kind of the layout. And then you've got, you know, musicians and assistants and stuff other than that, but. Yeah. So it's a, it's bigger than just, like a one person thing, I guess. Well, but you said that you do it all. So that's, I guess Depends that, on the budget. has to take some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it's a, if it's not a label budget and the band's not 
you know, making bank and the budget's a lot smaller than, you know, we'll have to do everything here ourselves. And it's kind of like, and I've got a full-time assistant. His name's Adam or Banzik and he plays on pretty much every record I do. And he helps engineer and stuff. And like, he's a huge part of it. So yeah, when the budgets are smaller, it's basically we're doing everything in-house. Okay. So, um, another thing I wanted to ask you is, um, I'm not going to ask you to pick the favorite record you did. Cause I feel like that's like picking your favorite child. So, um, is there like a You're certain gonna get me fired. album? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean I'm like when you, f- yeah, when, <laughs> when you first, like, was there a certain record you could pinpoint? I know you're talking about noise complaint earlier, but like when you were thinking like, wow, like this is something like this is going to be like big. Or was it just like out of left field? You're like, holy shit, this just happened. Man, I mean, Co, you know, he's the first, again, first full length I ever did. And so he really, like, you know, I can't not say Co. And Noise Complaint, it's it's not my favorite record just because of the issues I pointed out. But um, that was definitely like, once that started gaining traction, I just remember I was like, oh, dude, I'm I'm good to go. I'm good. And then I, I was like, my phone's going to start blowing up. And then I didn't get a single phone call. Actually, I take that back. Reed Southall called me because Dre told him to uh, hit me up. Um, but other than that, it was like, man, nobody's – I thought people would just know. And then I met my now wife. She's like, well, why don't you just start reaching out to bands? And I was like, I don't know. I don't that feels weird. And then as soon as I started reaching out to bands, they were like, Oh dude. Yeah. We had no clue. We'd love to work with you. And I was like, I'm in. <laughs> so I just kind of sat around for a year waiting for something to happen, being dumb, stubborn. Uh, but yeah, that was like, as soon as that started taking off, I started sweating a little bit. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I think it sounds bad. I really hope Coke cuts another record with me so I can redeem myself. So he comes back and we do Harold saw high. You know, I felt like it was a little better, but then after it dropped it, same thing. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope he comes back because I, I feel like <laughs> I'm getting better. And so it's been like that. But I mean, El Paso for me is definitely my favorite record that I've done so far. But, you know, it was just such a big production and we had basically an unlimited budget and, you know, Co was bringing in some killer songs and all that but i mean dude i truly do love every record that i've worked on but Mm -hmm. you know co's been my day one so it's like without without co i would not have met any of my other bands so right yeah i get what you're saying but like and you could brag here for a minute because this is just an observation i made uh when you look when if you people go to your website and they look through your portfolio and at least from what I was a fan of, like when, cause I used to live out, out in tech, uh, Texas and Oklahoma area. And I first got into the, to co very late, but like I went back, listened to all his stuff. Then I went to read, then Austin Mead, then branched out into all these other guys. And I looked on your website and it's like, everybody that I listened to, you produced like everything. So it, like, that was funny to me. And I was thinking like, do you like think about that? Like, cause it's, it's, there's no lying that these guys are like super hot out there right now. 
And like, do you think like, wow, I have a hand in every single one of these, you know, whether you like it or not, you have a hand in it, like their progression and, and all the fame or accolades they're getting. Like, does that ever come to mind to you? Yeah, it's definitely tempting to think about that. But one good thing about my job is that every day I'm in here. And so I don't like when Co comes in here, it's usually just Co. And so I'm not seeing, you know, the fans going crazy. And with any artist that I work with, it's like, yeah, I'll go to shows and stuff and it's pretty mind blowing, but I'm not constantly seeing all the hype going on. And I think that's a good thing. Mm. Um, I try not to think about it because it's funny. I've got a buddy who hit me up one time and he was like, Hey, I'm at this college party and there's these people talking about how much they hate all these new rock bands in the Texas scene. And they just like listed off co Austin, geo Reed. (laughs) And so I was like, man, that's, that is humbling. So there's, I think there's, you know, it seems like Coe's kind of equaled out his fan base now, but it just, there's definitely like, I know that there's people who don't love what I'm, doing and then there's people who do and it's like you're never gonna make everybody happy and i'm constantly you'll have that yeah and i'm constantly just looking at the records that i've done i'm like man i could have done a little bit better so it's i you know i'm always looking at it in that sense and hoping that i'm not ruining this texas scene here with loud well i I frankly think it needs to be shaken up a bit. It was got a little stagnant from what I remember. So I personally, I think, I mean, hell you look at all the people showing up to these shows. Like you said, you, there's no denying that making waves everywhere. Yeah. It's been, it's been crazy. And you know, co is, or most of the artists I work with, you know, there's such great personalities that it's just like, Mm-hmm. It felt like refreshing once all this stuff started happening, at least to me, because, you know, I grew up on rock and metal and I was like, oh, this is cool to me. I like it. So that's all that matters. And the artist likes it. You know, that's the most important right. thing. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about Sour Sonics. Um, I guess just uh, tell me what it's all about. Uh, introduce it to everyone listening. Man, so Sour Sonics is a record label that I started. Uh, I think I officially announced it like a couple months ago. But I've been uh, dreaming of doing a label for close to 10 years now. I read this book uh, by L.A. Reed, who is a producer. He was actually one of the people on The Voice at one point. But it was just his whole story. He started out as a musician and then he met um, Babyface, who's another producer, and they started writing songs together. They discovered, or they basically created TLC and like all these huge pop acts in the 90s. And and then he went on to start a label with Babyface. And then he sold that label. Then he got, you know, a position at a bigger label and just got, kept going up. And I was like, dude, this is, that just sounds awesome. So I've always wanted to start some kind of label. And right now it's like, I kept meeting artists that I wanted to work with, but maybe couldn't afford to make a record. And I was like, well, I got to have some kind of outlet to where I can still work with them. And it's beneficial for both parties. So it's, it's very much like a, 
you know, try, I'm, I'm just figuring out what it even looks like. And so I've got Mitchell Ferguson and Holly Beth on it right now. And we're both working on records for both of them. But yeah, it's just a lot of like, what does this actually look like? You know, and what does it take to run a label? And it's not as easy as I thought it would be. So, but you know, nothing is. Right. Yeah. That, uh, new Mitchell Ferguson, he's a great guy. And, uh, that, that new song you put out, that is so different than like anything I've heard in a while. Like in his group of artists that he hangs around with, it's so refreshing. Man, when he, he brought, so I've been working with both him and Holly for close to two years now, just like trying to find their sound. And, you know, we cut a whole record with Mitchell and it was like a very alternative rock, just like straight up rock album. And then he brought me FYS. He wrote that song and I was like, dude, this is it. And so as soon as we cut that song, he just started writing that style. And we have, I mean, 10 to 15 songs similar to that that we're working on for the album. And then, uh, so yeah, that's been super exciting. And Holly too, we're killing it. Um, We're still like looking for songs for Holly and she's still writing and stuff. And her and Mitchell are doing some co-writing together, so... Yeah, but yeah, Mitchell, that song is, when he showed it to me, I was like, oh, dude, this is sick. (laughs) Is there any, um, I know you probably can't give anything away for these upcoming things, but is there anything you can, like, tease that you're working on without getting in trouble by the artist? (laughs) If not, it's cool. Oh, man. Well, let's see. I think most... I'm pretty sure everybody's advertised, but Austin's got a record. Austin Meade's got a record dropping on mm-hmm. Friday, I believe. And Friday. Then Cody's got a Cody West has a record dropping, hopefully this month. And Gia's got a record dropping sometime soon. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then Co's just dropped. So it was like. I had been working on these records for like a year all, all at the same time. And it was getting a little stressful, but yeah, they're all kind of dropping at the same time. And there's a couple other things that I'm not at liberty to say, but. Okay. Yeah. Is there, is there a certain amount of time that it typically takes to make like a full length album or is it different for everyone? It's getting faster. Like, um, cause when I made noise complaint, I had no idea what I was doing. So it's just like, we had to recut the guitars, I think two times just cause I was like, Oh my God, dude, I don't know how to dial in these tones. And it, you know, it took me a while and that I think probably took close to two years to make, but it was just like, I would go hang out with Co for like two weeks and we would work on the record. Then it'd be a few months and then, you know, we'd start working on it again. So it wasn't just like two continuous years. Um, and then El Paso, you know, we, he started writing for it probably mid to late, um, 2021. And then we went in on January of this year and cut it in three weeks, basically at Sonic Ranch. And then, you know, it took me like a couple more months of just 
needed some musicians for certain songs and I would either send songs to them and they would send them back or whatever and then editing and mixing and mastering. So usually from start to release, I would say expect a year, but it can go faster. You know, I think Nashville works a little bit faster than that, but they're cutting potentially five to 10 songs a day. And right. I, we're, we're not doing that here, but. <laughs> so yeah. is there any, um, is there any, I guess, advice you could give to like, like anyone who wants to go down your path that you chose, anyone who wants to produce, whether they start in their bedroom or just don't know where to start at all. Man. Yeah. YouTube. Like that. I learned everything on YouTube and then there's other websites. Like there's this one called mix with the masters and there's pure mix. Like there's multiple websites that you can, uh, you know, pay a yearly fee or whatever. And it's just like all the top people in the industry are sitting down and going through how they did this or whatever. And it's just like, you got to soak everything in and you just got to start trying to make records. Like you, you're not going to make money right up front. You're just going to have to find bands that just either want to make a record and have no money or they're your buddies or whatever. But it's like, you just got to try it. Cause at least for me, it's like, I, I learned best hands on. So, you know, I'll, I'll do a record, it'll get released, and then I'll listen to it a month later. I'm like, God, this is ter- This sounds terrible. Here's where I can improve on it. It's like just constantly, you know, you have to release stuff. I will say that. Like, if you, you can't just sit on things, it's very tempting because you're like, man, I, this, isn't, this isn't as good as, you know, the best stuff in the world. Well, if you don't release it, I don't really think you're going to get better because it's just, I don't know. There's something about releasing it into the world and you know you can't change it. And you're like, man, that's permanent. Next one, <laughs> I need to get a little bit better in this area or whatever. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a grind. And there's yep. thousands of kids who want to do this. So it's like, you just got to outwork everybody else. And you got to get a, a little lucky. Like I met Co. Right. You know, and it's just right place, right time. But <clears throat> yeah, just don't, if you really, you got to really want it. I, I will say that it's, it's a lot. You just got to really want it. So is there like a certain, is there a certain genre that would be easiest for someone in your position to engage in? Or is it, is it kind of even playing field with all of them? Um, man, it, you can pretty much make any genre of music on a laptop now. So it's like, there's really no excuse. Um, but I, I honestly think that the Texas scene is great for it because the fan base here is just so accepting and they're very accepting to different things. And so it's like, I, you know, getting into the Texas scene, it was smaller and it's, you know, still a smaller scene, but it's getting bigger, but it's like, there's not thousands of producers in the Texas scene trying to make it. It's like, there's a handful. So it's like, there's much more talent to work with. So, you know, don't, 
I don't know. I would say find a scene that you just like the music of and just try to make records you like. Because if you're constantly trying to make something just to make it, I don't know that you'll ever quite hit it. And if you do, you're not going to be happy. You'll be like, man, I'm making music that I hate just for a paycheck or whatever. So yeah, just always follow what you like and just try to find, you know, the bands that you think have potential and see what happens. Awesome, man. We could end on that, man. I appreciate you hopping on and talking to me. Glad we could finally make it work. Um, Yeah, dude, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, go ahead. No problem. Go ahead and drop uh, like wherever people could find your socials or if if people would want to be interested in like maybe hiring you or whatever, go ahead and drop whatever yeah. plugs you got. Uh, my Instagram is Taylor J. Kimball. And then um, on my Instagram bio, I've got my website link. You can go to that and see everything I've done. And there's also like a connect tab in there that you can email me. And just send me a submission and send me some demos. I love hearing new music. Always looking for new bands. So, All right. You guys heard it here. So um, go ahead and hang tight, Taylor, when, when I sign off here. We'll finish everything up. Uh, but everyone else, thanks for listening. Uh, this is Rowdy Alternative. Y'all have a good night.